Our sponsor today is GAPS. GAPS brings water remediation and soil amendments to the agricultural businesses of Ontario, Canada. Phosphorus runoff is a big deal. This company coordinates and facilitates grant-based projects that are built to test new phosphorus removal products on an ongoing basis. GAPS provides these successful R&D products in their toolbox of solutions and are sold to the producer, golf course, and municipalities. Their goal is to help build better soil and to manage water without the use of chemicals. Visit GAPS at gapsontario.com or visit their link in the show notes. Welcome to the North American Ag Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. My guest today is Senior Executive Director of Government Affairs at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. She's the lead lobbyist on all issues pertaining to tax, credit, appropriations, nutrition, and alternative proteins. I'd like to welcome Danielle Beck. Welcome, Danielle, and thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Very good. Can you tell me a bit about your background? Sure. Uh, so I am uh, originally from Massachusetts. I, I joke I'm the one of the token Yanks in agriculture, uh, but I got my start in Washington, D.C., working on Capitol Hill for five years for a member of Congress from Florida, Mr. Tom Rooney. And he sat on the House Agriculture Committee uh, and served as the chair of the subcommittee uh, for livestock, dairy and poultry at the time, moved over to the Appropriations Committee and sat on the Agriculture Subcommittee there. And I had the pleasure mm-hmm. of working for him and getting to know so many of our producers, uh, not just in the beef industry, but in a host of different agricultural industries. And that's really where I got my start. I fell in love with ag and with working with producers directly. Uh, And, you know, fast forward five years into NCBA, uh, here I am. But I have the pleasure of working on a a host of different issues uh, on behalf of our membership. And tax is certainly the uh, hot topic du jour, I guess. That's for sure. Yeah. So that's uh, that's actually what the topic is going to be today. Um, the stepped up basis has protected farm families up until now. Can you explain how it works currently? Sure. So uh, assets in agriculture are typically held over very long periods of time. And when one individual inherits an estate from their predecessor, the value of those assets receive a step up in their basis. So upon inheritance, the, the value of those assets step up to fair market value and no capital gains taxes are owed. Uh, unfortunately, several individuals, uh, including President Biden and leaders in Congress uh, and the Democratic Party have proposed eliminating the step up in basis and imposing a capital gains tax on all inherited assets that are transferred at death. Uh, this is incredibly problematic for our producers because ultimately uh, the, those inherited assets are what allows them to continue operating a successful business in to the future generation or you know future generations to come and the proposed changes that they're talking about really are trying to pay for a, a suite of sweeping different proposals and initiatives on the backs of farmers and ranchers. Yeah, that's it. And so can you give me an example of how a typical farm family would be affected? You know, it's pretty hard to quantify exactly how a typical farm family would be impacted because no two farm families are alike. However, NCBA participates in a coalition called the Family Business State Tax Coalition, and we actually serve on the steering committee for that uh, entity. 
we have been having conversations for the last year and a half about how to preserve stepped up basis, recognizing that if a new administration were to take over after the Trump administration, uh, that proposal might be on the docket. And so we invested in research quantifying the macroeconomic impacts. And part of that study conducted by EY did quantify uh, what a theoretical cow-calf operation might look like or you know, the, the impact there uh, if stepped-up basis were repealed and a capital gains tax at death were imposed. And we found that based on this one operation, again, theoretical, uh, based out of the Midwest, um, they would be looking at a 280% uh, of their annual income one-time tax burden in excess of a million dollars. And so um, other research out there has quantified varying impacts regionally uh, across different commodities. But at the end of the day, you're looking at anywhere from a $500,000 to over a million dollar one-time tax burden. And regardless of whether you are a small diversified operation or, uh, you know, classifies a bit larger, but ag is your only source of income, that's going to have really devastating impacts. You know, less than 2% of our nation's population produces enough food to feed not only folks here in the United States, but around the world. And any tax changes that would make life harder for the businesses, the family-owned businesses that make up agriculture uh, is really unacceptable in my book. Right. Yeah, that's it. And typically a farm is asset rich, cash poor. They, they can't afford that tax burden. That That's going to last, you know, into several generations if they can even last. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we have several different, I mean, I say several, a host of different impact stories when we're talking about the estate tax or the death tax that we at NCBA call it, uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, horror stories of producers who had to sell off portions of their land, who really had to fight tooth and nail and make crazy amounts of cuts, take losses or no income for, you know, in excess of a decade, 9, 10, 14 years, uh, just in order to pay the IRS to keep wow. doing what they love most, uh, which is farming the land and taking care of cattle and, you know, all the natural resources and wildlife and, you know, just good stewardship practices that you find on every single cattle operation across the U.S. That's right. And NCBA spearheaded a letter last week to the House Ways and Means and Senate Finance Committee. Um, What was the main message of that letter? The main message, I think, is do no harm. Uh, The letter called out, you know, several different tax provisions that are of critical importance to agricultural producers, regardless of whether they're farmers, ranchers, or related industries that really support the vibrancy of food and agriculture production here in the United States. Uh, Every single family-owned business in and around the ag sphere really will be impacted to changes to stepped-up basis, uh, Section 1031 like-kind exchanges, the 199A small business deduction, or the existing uh, estate tax parameters, be it the uh, exclusion limits or that top rate. And, you know, ultimately, I think the most important part of that letter was the fact that it was signed by more than 300 different trade associations across the food and agriculture spheres. Uh, That is a, a pretty resounding message that we think is hard to ignore on Capitol Hill. Yeah, that's it. That's a that's a lot of people. That's a good backing for our industry for sure. And uh, in last week's press release, you were quoted as saying, this is not a partisan issue. It's in fact an issue that affects every single American. So what do you mean by that? What are the far-reaching consequences of this issue? You know, the plan that is being uh, considered right now on Capitol Hill, it came about under what President Biden has coined as his American Families Plan. And the point that we're trying to make is that uh, 
farm and ranch families cannot be overlooked or left out in the cold as they consider these plans. You know, regardless of whether you are producing a crop or animal commodity, or you benefit from all of the hard work our members put in each and every day because you're able to go to the grocery store and rely on a safe, abundant, and affordable food supply, regardless of where in the country you are or uh, what your income levels might be. That's something that's really important for every single family out there. And so our, our message really was just, as con Congress considers some of these proposals, uh, do not forget the fact that our producers are small business owners, but they're also family business owners. Yeah, that's it. And more than 370 million acres are expected to change hands in the next two decades. Um, if this stepped-up basis is not preserved, what do you see happening to those acres? You know, I think there are a host of different detrimental scenarios that could come about, uh, be it the conversion of land. I think that's arguably the most concerning. Uh, you know, oftentimes in order to pay the IRS with a, a tremendous tax burden, uh, they have to be able to cover that by making a little bit of profit. And so when you're selling something for development use, um, you know, as a producer, you might receive a little bit of a higher uh, rate. Development of agricultural lands is something that uh, we cannot afford to see happen further in the United States. Um, between 2011 and 2016, there's data that indicates we lost 2,000 acres of agricultural land a day every day in the United States. Wow. That is a, a tremendous amount of conversion and a rate that we can't afford to continue or see continue on. Uh, converted agricultural lands, you cannot make the argument that a strip mall is better for the environment than a cow-calf operation. That's just not realistic. Um, but you know, even beyond that, um, we need to ensure that Farms that want to stay uh, in the family, keep their, their business family owned, have the ability to do so, but equally as important is keeping the land in production. Uh, if you have a, a difficult or unique family scenario where you don't have an heir, your heir has no interest in taking over the operation, there are probably family friends, neighbors, uh, you know, cousins, nephews, nieces, uncles, who would be just as happy to carry on that legacy, you know, when it's time for that generational transition to occur. But the way that family is defined in the tax code is really narrow. It's a lineal descent. So from grandparent to parent to child. And so, um, you know, when we're communicating some of these nuances here with Capitol Hill, we've certainly had our work cut out for us. But um, when we do take the time to educate, I think there's a lot of really positive responses. People are empathetic to these issues because they care so much about food production and conservation and the people who um, make up those industries. Yeah, that's it. And the COVID-19 pandemic has really exposed a lot of the serious weaknesses in our food system. So in your opinion, what are some solutions? Um, you know, if you could, what would you put forward? You know, that is a wonderful question. Um, I don't know that there is a silver bullet to fix yeah. uh, any of the host of different challenges agriculture has faced uh, over the course of this pandemic and certainly not, you know, the beef industry specifically. But mm -hmm. I would say, you know, we've been very pleasantly surprised to see just how actively engaged this administration has been in terms of bolstering our, our supply chain resiliency and the different initiatives that they are looking at. Uh, processing capacity is certainly top of mind. It's a conversation we are actively engaging in with USDA and folks at the White House. Uh, they are certainly open, uh, interested in, receptive to our suggestions on ways that we can bolster competition in the marketplace, increase producer ownership, uh, 
bolster market access, niche market access, uh, empower producers to really realize better premiums for their cattle, you name it. But, um, you know, beyond that, we've seen a host of different labor-related challenges that will certainly need to be addressed. And that's something, you know, we're hopefully going to be able to partner with this administration on, although there's really not a whole lot of air in the room for some of those conversations right now, but we are working behind the scenes on that, certainly. Um, But, you know, to your point, I think, a lot of these conversations about resiliency and bolstering our supply chain here in the United States are, are sort of moot if there's a tax code that puts our producers out of business. And yeah. so right now, my focus is on ensuring that as Congress moves through this budget resolution and reconciliation process, uh, the $3.5 trillion in proposals that are out there uh, are that that $1.8 trillion in tax hikes it's going to require don't fall on our members to really uh, fund or pay for, I guess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those are really good points. And is there anything we can do to help? I would say that for any producer where uh, our conversation today has struck a note, uh, I would encourage you to consider contacting your members of Congress and reiterating the importance of some of these provisions. NCBA has a a portal tilted up on our website at policy.ncba.org, and it's a really easy, simple way for you to reach out to your uh, congressional delegations, your elected official directly. Uh, And so again, it's policy.ncba.org. And, you know, I, I would say that as a former Hill staffer whose whole career has been influenced by input and conversations and working directly with producers, you should never ever mm-hmm. underestimate the importance and power of your own voice in these um, dialogues and conversations because all politics is local and you know we do what we can to represent our producers. I joke I live in DC so our, our guys don't have to, um, but that direct impact really does make a huge difference, especially when we're down to the wire and members are deciding whether they wanna vote yay or nay on something that could really be make or break for the cattle industry. Right. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so uh, we'll have all of the links in the show notes for anyone who's uh, who wants to co- reach out and uh, contact. Um, and I have one last question. Why are you so passionate about these issues that affect producers? What lights you up? Uh, you know, that is a, another really great question. Um, you know, in Washington, D.C., uh, as you can imagine, things are oftentimes uh, quite frustrating. Um, you hit a ton of bumps in the road, a ton of roadblocks. And working for our producers is what honestly makes those really tough days worth it. Um, you know, I, I live in a city of concrete, but one of the best parts of this job is getting to work for and with folks out in the heart of America, uh, in real America, in the countryside, who are working hard each and every day doing something that I certainly couldn't do uh, to ensure that, you know, my family is able to eat every day. It's something that I think is a really easy issue to be able to support. Uh, Unfortunately, there's just a lot of education that's needed. People are so far removed from how their food is produced. I feel really honored to be able to educate on our producers' behalfs, but um, yeah, what lights me up? I, I mean, that would probably be my quick answer. I could talk for hours about it, though. Right. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And thank you so much for what you do. Of course. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to visit today. Yeah. Yeah. And we uh, appreciate the input and thanks to everyone else who's uh, watching or listening. If you want more information, the links, like I said, will be provided in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to North American Egg Spotlight on YouTube and Rumble channels. And the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much and have a great day. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's Egg Spotlight episode, where we put the spotlight on people and companies doing great things for the agricultural industry. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review. You can also follow us on YouTube and Rumble to see the video version of Ag Spotlight. Also, head on over to NorthAmericanAg.com to subscribe to our Industry Connect update newsletter. If you're interested in advertising opportunities, email us at connect at NorthAmericanAg.com. Thanks for listening. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to northamericanag.com slash fastline hyphen webinar. That's northamericanag.com slash fastline hyphen webinar to register now.